welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. Well, my hope for you is that you have had as much excitement in this new sermon series as I have. Uh, This has been one that has been fun for me uh, to go through. I've had a a number of you give some feedback and say that the Lord is speaking directly to you and moving you into the idea of being made new. That's our sermon series that we're in, Made New. We've focused on a couple truths that come from Scripture in regards to that, that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, and that you have been given new life in Christ. And those are some things to be excited about, some things to hold on to and hold fast to when life gets difficult, for sure. Uh, And then this morning, we're going to be talking about the idea that you have a new identity in Christ, that you are a new uh, person, that you are not the same person that you were before Jesus. If you said yes to Jesus, you're a new creation, you've got new life, and you have a new identity in him, uh, but sometimes it can be hard to outrun our past, can't it? It can be hard for us to kind of move forward in that. Uh, something that was interesting for me to note when I first got married, when Beth and I uh, got married and friends of hers were, were hearing that she, had, she was engaged to Ben Hackbarth and that she married Ben Hackbarth, friends from college would often ask her the same question. They would say, hey, uh, does he still have his long hair? And uh, you wouldn't know it necessarily looking at me today, but there was a time where that was a a pretty prominent part of my uh, look. And so there was often this question, like, does does he still have his long hair? And her response was always, ew, gross. I would have never even dated him if he had had long hair. That was a little disheartening, but the Lord's timing was good in our lives. And so we were past that place. Um, And so that that was always part of the thing. But... Oftentimes, oftentimes the conversation would turn back to that, and just recently we had an opportunity to eat dinner with some friends from college, and my old long hair look came up in conversation even then, and to be fair, it was an unforgettable look, and just so that you can bask in that memory, I have a picture of it for you today. Look at those tasty locks. It's hard to believe that I went from that to this, and it only took life to do it to me. Man, when I was in college, one of my nicknames was Mufasa because of that lion's mane of hair right there. It's, it, it was unforgettable, right? But one of the things that's interesting to me, and I share that with you a little bit in jest, and just to prove to you at one point in time it was true, um, but the, the fact that that still comes up in conversations is just uh, more of a humorous reminder of how our past can go with us. It can, it can follow us. Uh, we know that we're different, but there are others who won't let us forget who we were or maybe what we did. Sometimes that other is us, that we have a hard time letting go of the past. Uh, we, can't, we can't move on. Uh, and it seems that we're stuck in the same old story. And with kind of that metaphor used this morning, I'm going to suggest to you that God is writing a new story in your life. You know, sometimes we'll say God is writing a new chapter as if kind of the old book has to go with us. But I want to tell you, God is, God is doing something new in you. You are a new creation in Christ. You have new life in him. 
and you have a new identity. He is writing a new story with your life. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to go ahead and get those out and lift them up. If you've got a smartphone or a tablet, take this time to open up your Bible app. Lord, we ask that you would give us soft hearts to receive from your word today. Lord, that you would give us soft hearts to receive the encouragement that we are indeed new in Christ, not just new creations and not just having new life, but that we have a new identity in him. And Lord, uh, help us to hold fast to your word as we learn today to move past our past. In Jesus' name, amen. Your Bible's out. You can go ahead and open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to be uh, starting there and in our kind of our first steps uh, through this morning's message. And Paul writes a couple letters to the church in Corinth. Uh, it was a, a, a church that had a little bit of dysfunction, if you've read those letters. So he brings a little correction and a little direction from time to time. But oftentimes in the middle of that, he reminds them of who they are. He reminds them of what God has done in their midst and who they are as a result of that and who they can be if they would live that out or if they would walk that out. And one of the things that was happening in the church in Corinth at the time is that it had become a prominent uh, kind of act that uh, leaders who would go from church to church and share or present or preach, that when they would arrive, they would come with credentials that they would present. So they would go from church to church, kind of as itinerant ministers, and they would show up and they would say, here's who I am, here's why you should listen to me, here's why I'm important, and here's all the people that would attest to that fact. And so a number of people had kind of moved kind of throughout the churches in that region, and Corinth had had some uh, interactions with some of them, and they began to wonder, well, why doesn't Paul do that? Maybe Paul doesn't have credentials. Maybe Paul doesn't really know what he's talking about. And so he's addressing that issue as he gets to this portion of Scripture. And one of the things that he does is he says, hey, I don't need a letter of introduction. I don't need a letter to tell uh, others that somehow God is using me. You are my letter. That what God has done in you through the message of the gospel, that is proof enough. That's credential enough. I don't need other people to say somehow I'm important. And so it's with that use of metaphor and kind of that correction that we're going to look uh, at what he says here. But he says, he says something about uh, the church in Corinth, those who are a part of the church in Corinth, which is, is true of you today as well. So in verse 2, it says this, it says, You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ. The result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And so as Paul kind of brings uh, an introduction and a correction to them, he says, hey, I don't need a letter uh, 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 of introduction. I don't need credentials to present to you. You yourselves are the credentials of what God is doing in and through us. That your transformed lives are the writ letter to those around who would say, hey, what's going on there? They would say, hey, look at this life that has been transformed. And the reason I draw your attention to that is not so that you know what was going on in Corinth and see how Paul was correcting that, but what he says of them is true of you, that you, yourself, your person, that you are a letter from Christ. Now, not to me, 
not necessarily even to one another, although that's appropriate, but you are a letter of Christ to the world. If you've said yes to Jesus, if you've been born again, if you've received salvation, if you fill in the blank of what you would use to kind of make that as your identified moniker of being different than you were before, if you are Paul's favorite phrase, in Christ, then you have become a letter of, from Christ to the world. You're an open letter of grace. You're an open letter of salvation. You're an open letter. You're a, a, a life that is read that demonstrates what it looks like to be transformed by the love and grace of Jesus Christ. And you may still be in process, and there may be some uh, ways for you to still go, but that is fundamentally true of you because in Christ you have become that And you are not kind of penning it out in dear diary and kind of presenting it in that way, but the Spirit of God is writing it on your life as you live out life with Jesus. Christ is the author, and the Spirit of God is the pen. And your story, listen to me, your story reads differently because of Jesus. Your your story reads differently because of Jesus. What you were before Jesus, you are no longer. What you were before Christ, you are no longer. And if you haven't received Christ, you don't have to stay the same broken person you are now. You can receive Jesus and you you can become a new creation. You can have new life and you can have a new identity, something that we're focusing on today. And what Paul would say here as he's kind of talking and encouraging the church, he's saying, hey, you're the letter to the world. The Spirit of God is writing a new story in your life, and you demonstrate what it looks like to be transformed. You show that you are a letter from Christ because your life has changed. You are different. And so God is writing a new story. God is writing a new story. Christ is the author, and the Spirit of God is the pen and the ink. And I just want to remind you in Psalm 139 that it lets us know that all of the days of your life were ordained and written in God's book before one of them came to be. You can look that verse up on your own, but it's in Psalm 139. And one of the things that I want to remind you of is that the, the, the type of writing that God would do, the type of craftsmanship that he has, because many of us, as we kind of wrestle through what it means to be a new creation, what it means to have new life, what it means to, to maybe have a new identity, we really struggle with our brokenness. We struggle with our past. We struggle with the very real things that we've walked through, and we'll talk a little bit about that this morning, but can I tell you that when God takes over the authorship of your life, when you relinquish, when you relinquish the pen and allow him to begin to write the narrative of your life, he writes beautiful things. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, as Paul reminds us that we are saved by grace and faith, that we didn't work it, that we didn't earn it, that it's not up to our own ability to craft and try to put together, but it was just, it's just Jesus, and he did it, and we believe it. That when Paul kind of concludes that really famous statement about faith and grace when it comes to being saved, he then moves on to these words in, in verse 10, and he says, for we are God's handiwork, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And that word handiwork uh, sometimes is translated as craftsmanship, but the Greek word is poema. It's where we get the word poem. You are a beautiful poem that God has written and crafted, and he has designed for you to partner with him in the things of the kingdom of God, to bless the world. And he thought about this before you ever thought about him. And as we talk about the, uh, a new identity today, we, we have to start with his authorship. We have to start with the idea that he is writing a new story with us and that we get to live into all that that might look like. But then we have to answer this question, and this is going to be what we spend the next several uh, moments of time wrestling out together. How do we move past our past? See, because even, even if we say that's a closed book and I'm, I'm in a new place, I'm a new creation, I have new life, what's true is that I was that person. And I, I, and I did those things. And those things happened to me. And I was that way. Do you ever feel the tension of trying to reconcile those things? who you used to be with who you are in Christ and who you want to be as a result of that. We have all been in that place. And many of us have to carry those things into our present because there's consequences that have come with it. The person that we were, the things that we did, many of the consequences follow us forward. Sometimes those are financial. Sometimes those have to do with legalities. Sometimes we, we bear it in our physical body. That there's scars or debilitations because of decisions that we made or things that happened to us. What about all of those things? Those things are actually, those are true. You were that person. You did those things. They're part of your experience. And some of those consequences will carry forward with you. But you are not that person any longer in Christ Jesus. You are a new creation. You have new life. And you have a new Identity. So how, how do we wrestle that out? What do, what do I do with that? I'm going to give you three things to think about this week. It's not an exhaustive list. It is some baby steps, and they can help anchor and ground you as you wrestle with this identity piece. Knowing that you're in Christ, but sometimes still look like you're not. Knowing that you're in Christ, and knowing that still sometimes you act maybe like you're not. How do you reconcile those things out, and what do you do with a past that won't stay buried? What do you do with a luscious head of long hair that just keeps coming up in conversation? You just can't avoid it. It's too deep of a memory. Like, what do I do with that? If you're a note taker, there's going to be three of these, and the first one is this, and it's going to seem like an oversimplification, but please take it to heart. You have to look to Jesus. You have to look to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this, to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Again, that word there for kind of that authorship, at the heart of it, it means also champion, pioneer, originer, or originator. It means that he's the leader. He's the one that went first. Like we fix our eyes on him. The author and the finisher, that means perfecter, or the one who has completed our faith who for the joy that was set before him, we en- he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We've got we've to keep our eyes on Jesus. The way that the NIV 
uh, translates that. It doesn't say look to Jesus. It says fix your eyes on Jesus. Lock eyes on Jesus. And you guys all have experienced the difference between being in a conversation with somebody who has locked eyes with you and they're leaning in and they're engaged and they're with you and somebody who's like with you but they're not with you. That you're just part of the peripheral of their life but you're not really center stage and you're not really you're not really being fixed on. And many times we end up in places where we're struggling with our identity, we're struggling with understanding who we are, we're struggling with maybe even forgiveness for others, but often for ourselves, especially when it comes to our past, because Jesus is in the peripheral and we're focused on the wrong things. We're focused on the wrong person or we're focused on the wrong past event or we're focused on ourselves. And I would encourage you that we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. We've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. And not just fix our eyes, not just look to him, but we've got to listen for him. If you did your homework last week in your action steps, you would have read John chapter 10. And in part of that chapter, as Jesus talks about himself being the good shepherd, he speaks over and over that those who are his listen for his voice and that they hear and respond to it. That there's a growing discipline to recognize when the Lord is speaking to you and to walk that out in obedience. We've got to look to him. We've got to listen for him. And can I just say you need to reach to him. My kids are getting older. They're getting bigger. And they still want me to pick them up. And I can do that just for shorter durations of time now. And sometimes with, hey, help dad out and give yourself a boost by jumping. But there, it's super hard for me, even when I don't want to, to when they say, hey, dad, up for me to say no. Now, sometimes I do because I'm not the heavenly father. I'm just a random father here on earth, and I don't always get it right. But can I tell you that when you're heavenly father, when you reach to him, daddy always picks you up. He doesn't say his back hurts or he doesn't have time or just a minute or let me finish this text. Like God is always responsive to his children. And the Bible is full, it is full of promises that it say, if you knock, that he opens, that if you ask, that he answers, that if you seek, that you find, that when you turn, that when you repent, that when you lean into, that whenever you take a posture towards your heavenly father, that he meets you more than even halfway. And even in the story of the prodigal son, as the father was looking for the one who was far off, it says that when he saw him, he stood there with his hands in his pockets and waited for him to do the whole walk of shame home. No, that's not what it says. It says that he ran to him. God always responds to our, I, I surrender, I need help, I'm right here, dad, I'm looking, I'm listening, where are you? He'll always respond in that way. And so we've got to look, we've got to look to Jesus. And I can tell you that sometimes we're looking to the wrong things. Sometimes we're looking to the wrong author. We're allowing the narrative of our life to be something that is scripted by those who are a part of our broken past who keep reminding us of it. Sometimes we are reminded by our own reflections on the things that have happened to us. And many times we suffer under spiritual battles where the enemy is all too willing to say, you're just a piece of garbage still. We hear that. We feel that. And somehow it gets past our ears and wiggles its way down into our soul, and it's crippling. But it doesn't have to remain there, and it doesn't have to be there. Look to Jesus, hear his voice, reach out, and he will meet you where you are. 
I love that in that verse in Hebrews that it reminds us of the cross. That it's done and done with what Jesus did. Look to Jesus. Second thing I want to remind you of and encourage you with this week, if you're a note taker, this is number two. Hold to the truth. Hold to the truth. And, th- and there are so many truths in, in God's word. There are so many places as anchor points, but particularly when we're talking about identity, particularly when we're wrestling with our past. In Romans chapter 8, Paul encourages the church there with these words. He says, therefore, and all of the therefore is what Christ did and how he accomplished salvation for us. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. If you are a highlighter, if you like to circle things in your Bible, I would highlight or circle the word in Christ. That's Paul's favorite statement to identify somebody who we would say is born again or somebody who is saved or somebody who asked Jesus into their heart or something along those lines. This is Paul's favorite phrase. He says that you are in Christ. And if you are in Christ, then there are no, there's no condemnation. There is no continued bondage. There is no uh, continued uh, holding that the past has on you. Now, there, listen, there may be consequences. But consequences and condemnation are not the same thing. If you've got to live with some of the fruit of what you planted in your past until you are fully restored and fully made whole or until God has walked you through that process of forgiveness and reconciliation and being put back together, that is oftentimes part of our journey. But when we have to deal with consequences of our past and mistake it for the Lord condemning us and saying, you're still the same person and you're still in the same place, that's where we err because it's not true. The consequences are real, but the condemnation is a falsehood, and it does not need to be received, and it does not need to be something that is, that is a concern of your heart. It needs to be something that is, again, just, hey, the cross took care of that. We need to hold, we need to, hold to that truth. Many of us live under the condemning voice of others. We live under the condemning voice of the enemy. Some of us live under, under our own condemning voice. We're just, we'll, we'll always be that. And I tell you that, that that's, that's not true. My favorite testimonies, I shared this earlier in the series, my favorite testimonies are the testimonies when somebody looks me in the eye and says, oh, Pastor Ben, you don't even know. When I was this age or when I was in this season of my life, I used to do these things and I used to live life that way. And I'm looking them in the eyes and I'm like, you're lying to me right now. Like, I can't even imagine you being that person. It's as, if you're, it's, it's as if you went and you saw a movie and you're just kind of bringing a different character in. Those are my favorite testimonies. When somebody is trying to tell you about who they are and they are so transformed by Jesus, you're like, I can't even imagine that. Like, I just have to take your word for it because it, it literally can't be, it can't be true. And Jesus does that. And he's doing that in you. If you've said yes to Christ, he is doing that in you. That process has already begun. And you may not feel like you've gotten very far, but the end of a road with Jesus is when you look back and say, hey, I used to be like that. People will look at you in the eye and say, mm, I'm calling baloney on that. I don't believe it. Because Jesus does that. He changes us. 
Hold to that truth. There's no condemnation. Move into the freedom that that brings. The third one, this one's going to be a little bit more uh, practical. And honestly, this, is, this one's more difficult for us. And we're going to spend some time next week talking a little bit about um, some things that will be helpful in this regard. But the third one is this. You need to guard your thoughts. You need, you need to consider the things that you're considering. You need to guard your thoughts. When I was little, I was a pretty rowdy boy, Got had three brothers, and so there was always a lot of uh, just kind of rough and tumble going on in the Hackbarth house, not really in the house because mom said, go outside and don't come back till dinner. Um, I'm starting to use that in my own home now, and now I know why. It wasn't just the fresh air, it was the quiet in the home. But I remember times like we were always scraped, we were always bumped, we were always bruised. And, and I don't know what kind of kid you were, but if I had kind of an, uh, an owie, if I had a scratch, if I had something that had scabbed over, I would always just kind of play with it and kind of worry it. And my mom would always tell me something. She would say, quit picking at that. Quit, quit picking at that. Can I tell you that many of us with our past are sitting back there picking at it? And God's like, that, like I've covered that. Jesus is like, hey, the cross casts a shadow over that. You're already set. That's, that's not even who you are anymore. You don't live here anymore. Like, why are, you, why are you here? And we go back and we pick at it and we worry over it. And then we wonder why we're not healing. If you perpetually pick at a wound, it's, not, it's, gonna, it's just going to stay open. You're going to reopen it. Many of us just need to let things be healed in Jesus' name. And then we need to leave them there. We need to walk into the new life that we have in Christ. We get stuck in unhealthy thought patterns, unhealthy thought patterns where we don't just go back and reflect on the past, but we go live there and we worry over alternate scenarios and we try to figure out, like we, we, we try to have answers and we, we end up being stuck there instead of being moved forward into the things of God. In Isaiah chapter 43, God gives his people, I think, a, a really practical encouragement. It is, it is sound advice, really, for any season. The book of Isaiah is one of the Old Testament prophetic books, and most of the Old Testament books of the prophets are good news, bad news books. And they are, they're actually lots of bad news and a little good news at the end. And Isaiah is a book like that. He's telling the people of God, hey, you've lived in full-on rebellion for the way that God has designed life to be lived, and now the fruit of everything that you've planted is going to come to fruition in your life, and you're going to have to deal with the consequences of living life apart from the way that God designed it. And there's going to be all kinds of fallout as a result of it, but there will be restoration and salvation. God is a God who is faithful to his promises, and his promises will still yet be something that you enjoy. That's the good news, bad news tension of that book and many of the Old Testament prophetic books. But in the middle of it, in Isaiah chapter 43, as God reminds his people of who he is, he gives them some sound advice about what to do with now this concern and this difficulty that they're going to be walking through as he brings correction. He says, this is what the Lord says, he who made a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. He just says, hey, I want to remind you what I did to liberate you from bondage the first time, just so you know who's talking to you. Now that I've established who I am and what I've done on your behalf, how about you listen to this? Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. 
See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And this is an encouraging part of Isaiah where God is is speaking about what he will do after they have to walk through really this exile, which is really like another wilderness wandering. But he reminds them of really an attitude in approaching to this, to not get stuck looking backwards when God's trying to do something that moves you forward, to not get stuck in the past when he is trying to move you into new life in Christ, to, to not dwell there. doesn't mean that we don't reflect. In fact, if you are not a person who practices reflection, you should. You should think about things that have happened in your life and why and what those things might have produced. And you need to go through a process of healing and being made whole and maybe asking the Lord, how can I respond now going forward with what I know or with what I've discovered? Reflection is so important for spiritual growth. But don't get stuck picking Don't get stuck picking in the past. Again, if you did your action step uh, um, homework from this week, you would have read John chapter 10. Then in John chapter 10, Jesus calls himself the shepherd. He calls himself a number of other things. But one of the other things he identifies himself as is the gate or the door that his sheep go in and out of. That that there's this uh, uh, passage traverse. And when he speaks of himself, In that way, he describes himself as a gate and he says this, whoever goes through me or whoever enters through me will be saved. And the Greek word there that's used for saved is a word sozo and it it doesn't mean just kind of saved or rescued away from. At the heart of it, it means that you will be made whole or complete once again. That Jesus' design for you is that you would enter into new life in his name and that you would in, in that place be restored to wholeness once again. Now, here's something that I learned when I moved out to the Plains. I've been out here almost 11 years out here in Northeast Colorado. We've got a number of families in our church and in our community that have ranches. And I learned on the very first weeks that I was here an unwritten rule that everybody else seemed to know. But on a ranch, if you go through a gate and open it, what do you do? Close it, right? You guys are a bright group. Everybody knows this. If you open the gate, you close the gate. If it's open, leave it open. Right? It's just kind of the unwritten rule as you're going through. Can I tell you, many of us go through Jesus into new life and then we don't shut the door. We leave it open and we allow all of this brokenness in our past to somehow come in with us. Shut the gate. Shut the gate. When you look back on your past and you reflect on your experiences and the very real maybe things that are are consequences that you're still walking into, when you look back on that, please, instead of looking at the littered brokenness in your life, would you just get your eyes up a little bit further and look at the cross? It's the one significant thing in your past that should actually matter. The moment that Jesus entered your life and the cross casts its shadow on all of that brokenness, and all you need to see is him. All you need to see is him. And if you haven't given your life to Christ, if you haven't said yes to Jesus, if Paul would say you're not in Christ because you haven't made that decision, can I tell you that you can still see the cross in the background as an invitation to a new way forward? You could say yes to Jesus today. 
And sometimes we need to be reminded of that, not just the moment that we committed our life to being a disciple of Christ, not just the moment that we said, yes, I will follow Jesus, but we need to be reminded that we need to say yes in other areas of life where maybe we're not experiencing that. The places where Jesus wants to make us whole, but we're still picking at our brokenness. The places where he wants to set us free, but we're still worrying over chains as if they're still shackled to us. That we need to recognize that what is on offer in Jesus is salvation that brings about wholeness in our life, not just removing us from things that are somehow difficult. Look to Jesus, hold to the truth, guard your thoughts. Church family, I want to invite you to stand this morning. Worship team, if you would come forward. We're going to consider a number of questions this morning as we allow the Lord to search our hearts. As our worship team comes forward, I'm going to invite you, church family, to just go ahead and close your eyes for a moment. Just close out distractions around you. Quiet your heart, your mind. Allow the Spirit of God to search your hearts as we consider a few of these questions. I just want you to imagine for a moment what your life might look like. Maybe just even this week, what little changes would happen if you allowed Jesus to help you move past your past. That's not a a decision that somehow means that your past didn't happen. It doesn't invalidate it. It doesn't say that those things weren't significant and that they don't still bear impact on your life. It's just a simple acknowledgement that says, yes, that is a part of my experience and that really was who I was, but I am not that person any longer. What freedom would your heart enjoy if you received that truth? Or if it moved from your head to your heart in those areas where you still feel kind of bound and burdened? What burden would you be relieved of? What would your life look like this week if when you bumped into another follower of Jesus, You reminded them of who they are in Christ instead of who they were. What if when you see your spouse struggle with the same thing, instead of saying you're always like that, you affirmed who they are in Christ and the new creation that they were? What if you did that for your children? What if your coworkers who profess to be believers but they don't really look or act that way at work How could you speak life into them and encourage them? How could you remind them of their new identity rather than joining the cacophony of voices that would say, I knew that you were always that way? What if you became a voice and spoke the truth of God's word? And what would your life look like if in the places that you're trying to write your own narrative, where you've gone back trying to be in control, to do things in your own strength. What would those places look like this week if you took the pen and you handed it back to Jesus? You said, Jesus, you really are the author of life and I want you to write my story. Holy Spirit, you really are the pen. 
and I'm giving up the one that I've tried to write my own narrative with? What have you surrendered to his authorship? Lord, we come before you today and we acknowledge that we are often challenged by our past. Lord, we're reminded often of who we were. We're reminded often that sometimes we still look or act like that. Lord, many of us are still walking through the consequences of decisions that were made long ago, but are still part of our present story. And many times in our efforts, we try to craft our own way forward. We try to rewrite the script. We try to use our own strength or our own craft. But Jesus, we surrender to you. We like to make our own plans and to try to write our own stories, but we know that the story that you want to write in each one of us and through us as a body of believers is a whole lot better than what we could come up with on our own. And so once again, we surrender. We surrender our pen. Jesus, please write something new in our lives this week. Please write something new through us as a church family here in Sterling by the power of your Holy Spirit. And in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you've got a smartphone or a tablet, I want to encourage you with our action steps this week. You can always catch these online uh, as well. But as you are confronted with issues of your past or walking others through those, three things. Number one, look to Jesus, Hebrews 12. Number two, hold on to the truth that you are no longer living under condemnation. That's Romans 8. And number three, don't look back. That comes from that Isaiah 43.